on the floor with his legs stretched under the coffee table, the glow from the screen washing out his copper skin. Bye, see. Bye, ye. He made it two syllables. He hadn't looked up. Marco walks up the stairs and stops outside his kid's study, where I'm working. He knocks on the door. I don't know whether to be thankful or annoyed, but the door's open and it's his house. I try to be as friendly as I can. Yo. Yo, what's up? He walks in. I turn halfway and throw him a wave. He comes to the desk and looks down at the stack of legal pads. Damn, you cranking it out, man. I'm writing for my life. He laughs. I don't. I wonder if he notices. Is it a novel? I can't explain to him that three pads are one novel and seven are another. But what I'm working on is a short story. I can't tell him that each hour I have what I believe to be an epiphany, and I must begin again, thinking about my life. Want to eat something? No thanks, man. I have to finish this part. I turn around on the stool. I'm being rude. He's moved back to the doorway, leaning. His tie's loose. He holds his leather bag in one hand and a fresh beer in the other. He's dark-haired, olive-skinned, and long-nosed. He's 5'10", and in weakened racquetball shape. He stands there framed by a clear, solid maple jam. Next to him is more millwork, a solid maple bookcase, wonderfully spare, with books and photos and his son's trophies. There's a picture of his boy with C. They were on the same peewee soccer team. They're grinning, holding trophies in front of what I believe to be my leg. Marco clinks his wedding band on the bottle. I stare at him. I've forgotten what we were talking about. I hope he'll pick me up. Want me to bring you something back? No, man, thanks. I'm good. I'm broke, but I can't tell him this because while his family's away on Long Island for the summer, I'm sleeping in his kid's bed. And he earns daily what I, at my best, earn in a month because he has a beautiful home. Because in spite of all this, I like him. I believe he's a decent man. All right, man. He goes to take a sip, then stops. He's probably learned of my drinking problem through the neighborhood gossip channels, but he's never confirmed any of it with me. Call me on the cell if you change your mind. He leaves. In the margins, I tally our monthly costs. We need to make $140,000 a year, Claire told me last week. I compute that I'll have to teach 22 freshman comp sections a semester, as well as pick up full-time work as a carpenter. Thomas Strawberry swims across his bowl to face me. I fed you, I say to him as though he's my dog. He floats, puckering his fish lips. Thomas, at one time, had the whole family copying his pucker face, but the boys got tired of it. The little one, my girl, kept doing it. The fish, the only animal she'd recognize. What does the cow say? I'd ask. What does the cat say? She'd stare at me, blankly, giving me the dead eye that only children can give. A glimpse of her indecipherable consciousness. What does the fish say? She'd pucker the same way as when I'd ask for a kiss. The fish face and a forehead to the cheekbone. I packed my wife and kids into my mother-in-law's enormous Mercedes-Benz at 7.45 p.m. on Friday, June 26th. 
It was essential for both Claire and her mother to leave Brooklyn by eight with the kids fed and washed and ready for sleep for the three-and-a-half-hour drive to Massachusetts. Claire, I suppose, had learned the trick of planning long drives around sleeping schedules from her mother. Road trips required careful planning and the exact execution of those plans. I'd have to park in the bus stop on Atlantic Avenue in front of our building, then run the bags, toys, books, and snacks down the stairs, trying to beat the thieves and meter maids. Then I'd signal for Claire to bring the kids down, and we'd strap them into their seats, equipping them with juice and crackers and their special toys. Then, in her mind, she'd make one last sweep of the house, while I'd calculate the cost of purchasing whatever toiletries I knew I'd left behind. After the last bathroom check and the last seatbelt check, we'd be off. We'd sing. We'd tell stories. We'd play I Spy. Then one kid would drop off and we'd shush the other two until Jersey or Connecticut and continue to shush until...